Hello and welcome to the show. Today we're going to be speaking everything nutrition and we're going to be talking with Dana Chapman. Now, who is Dana? Well, she's the owner and founder of DC Nutrition Limited, nutritional therapy for mental health. But today she's joined us to speak about some of the aspects of health, well-being and nutrition when it comes to babies, children, as well as mom's health before pregnancy, during pregnancy, as well as while she's breastfeeding. Now, Dana herself is a mom of two vibrant boys, so she understands a lot of the challenges that we're faced with today in our busy lives, marketing, exposures, and the many mixed messages there are out there when it comes to health. So the foundations of nutritional therapy is that we try and identify and address the root cause of symptoms. Understanding that the body is made up of interconnected systems and when one of these is out of balance, for example digestion, then this can have a knock-on impact onto the other systems. Often this occurs as our body's way of telling us something isn't quite right. And this might be because of nutritional deficiencies, stress, yes, even stress in babies, and of course gut bacterial imbalance and more. Now Dayla is truly passionate not only about her own health but the health of her children and all the children out there. So we bring up our little ones not only with the ability to survive but with the ability to thrive. Now this is a fascinating discussion I get to, I get to have, or I got to have with Dana. We really cover a lot, uh, even the big stuff like microbiome. We go right down to what are the important bits and pieces when you're moving over from breast milk or formula onto the next uh, evolution, so onto solids. We talk about bits and pieces that are fascinating. A lot of times I got schooled in this, so there's a lot that I learned. So I'm guessing there's going to be a lot that you learn on the show as well. So here we go. Dana Chapman. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. I have the privilege today, and I'm really excited about this because we've just sort of had a pre-off-air chat, and you know when, when, when minds are sort of on the same track, it's really interesting. So I would like to introduce uh, Dana Chapman. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. It is wonderful to be able to chat, especially when we get to chat about nutrition, because it's one of those things that gets left to the side sometimes. Maybe one of the one of the one of the reasons for that is it seems a little scary to even jump into the water of nutrition sometimes because you think, wow, it's this vast thing. But mm. today we're going to talk a lot about uh, um, nutrition when it comes to pediatric patients. We're going to talk a lot about the microbiome, where it comes into there. We want to uh, touch on mom's diet as well. We want to touch on all things about breast milk and formula. And I'm already getting ahead of myself and I see that. <laughs> but I want to pick up, I want to start on something that we were just talking about before we came on. And I found it fascinating. And that's really why I want to dive in is the fact that kids today potentially don't get enough nutrition. I think on the surface, that sounds a bit weird, but let's let's unpack that. Let's talk that through. Yeah, and I'm sure you see it in clinic as well, with children showing up with things like rickets and vitamin D deficiencies. But I think it's also, I don't know if it's because of the food industry, but there are a lot of products out there that are now advertised as healthy, but aren't necessarily so. I think we're a bit too focused on let's fill up with snacks and not enough focused on what foods are local to me, what is in season at the moment, how can I provide nutrients for my child to survive, not just putting food in their mouth. Yeah, 
Yeah, the one thing I take away from that, and, I, and I, I wish I could remember who told me this was great, was that there's no kiddie food. All, yeah. all child food is, is food full of sugar that's advertised at kids. And it's advertised in the shops just at the eye level of kids walking mm -hmm. around compared yeah. to food, which is just yeah. food that you should eat. And somehow we've been able to sort of divide in our minds that there's kiddie food and food mm. for us. And I know from, from just working with people in practice that people are under the assumption that that's the food that they need. It's almost like kitten food or puppy food. Like it's, it's organized <laughs> just for their children. And at the end of the day, you go, well, most of the time it's actually just full of sugar so that they'll eat more of it. Yeah. I mean, take restaurants, for example, you go to a restaurant and there's a kiddies menu and I'm actually appalled when I go to a restaurant and I see what's on the kids menu. But I think we're going to talk a bit about the gut microbiome a bit later, mm. but I think we're almost conditioning our children to this beige carbohydrate diet. And when that happens, the microbiome changes in a way where kids then only crave those foods. So yes, restaurants might only have fish fingers and chips or sausages and mash on the menu or pizza, because that's what most children are able to eat or will eat when they go out. It's sort of a known that those are the things that they will be able to eat. And I think it's the way that they're conditioned from early on. Yeah, the good old chicken nuggets. Where would we be without <laughs> the good old chicken nugget? And how much chicken is actually inside that nugget? I think we don't really no, want to no. talk about. No. Yeah. So let's start off right at the beginning then um, mm. with our little, little ones, with the, the newborns, with the infants. What, what are we looking for in terms of nutrition? What do they need to be able to grow and thrive? So there's an age saying that is food before one should be fun or is for fun. Mm -hmm. And that's because babies don't actually need too much nutrition from food before the age of one so weaning in the UK is set at around the six month mark and I completely vouch for that and I support that because baby's gut is not quite developed enough to actually accept and digest food sufficiently before then but when babies do get to the six month mark you are looking at nutrients such as iron that drop off and zinc so iron is very important for growth and for energy production. Um, and a baby's iron needs actually at six months are equivalent to a grown male's iron wow. needs. Yeah. And you will often find children biting or chewing or wanting to chew something. And that's a sign potentially that their iron levels are low. So iron is one of the nutrients that you do want to be getting into your children. And then zinc is also very important. And that's because zinc is very important for growth. But then you're thinking about small things such as your vitamins and minerals. Vitamin A is important for skin and eye health. You're looking at zinc, which I say is important for growth. You're looking at vitamin D and mm. calcium, which are important for bone development and bone health as well, because babies at this age are growing really quickly. Okay. I think those, so those are the main ones. So, the, so these are the things that are really important that we're looking for to be able to pack into that diet so that kids can, because I think, again, it's really important just to uh, go right back to the fact that these are not little big people 
on a yeah. on a little people trajectory keeping themselves at that level and there's this word it has done my head in because i cannot remember it i like i heard it years ago and it just popped out of my head but it's the version of homeostasis that babies go through <laughs> which is instead of holding yourself at one level the way that homeostasis is it's doing that whilst rocketing forward at like a million miles a second there's another word for it and i will find okay. it and i'll put it in the soap the show notes because it's there somewhere but it's this version of homeostasis so as much as we need all of these uh, vitamins and minerals to be able to keep ourselves on level they mm. have to keep a steady ship while they are shooting across the water and it's mm. so so important that you're not doing that with chicken nuggets <laughs> yeah 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 so 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 important so we, we're going to start off with our with our little ones the big thing is always that that debate with mums uh, breast milk uh, and moving on to formula and of course there are reasons why that might happen some of them possibly more valid than others but at the end of the day we have a population that generally start off trying to breastfeed either that continues and that's wonderful or we move on to the next pattern of them moving on to a formula which is then a minefield because it's generally a father that gets sent out at two in the morning uh to to, to the shops to have a look at this wall of formula and you know what dads do we buy the most expensive one because that's the best and then we come home with something that is just completely niche and completely the wrong thing <clears throat> but to break that down, the difference for, for people that are on their different journeys and, and you know, are, are they the same thing? Are they different? Where are the differences? What are we dealing with here? Hmm. There are definitely differences. And I just want to say that this isn't a name and shame. So if you are breastfeeding your child, that's amazing. If you are bottle or bottle feeding your child and that's the only option that you've got to, available to you then stick on that but I think there definitely are um there's there's pros and cons with both I always say breast is best so there's actually been studies shown that if baby is ill while you are breastfeeding you actually produce immune cells specific to the baby's illness to help the baby heal mom's milk has also got prebiotics in it so you're helping feed the baby's gut microbiome it's got natural fats it's got natural sugars and it's in an easily digestible form for baby but what is important to remember is what mom is eating the amount of nutrients that she's getting in her diet will be going through to baby so it's important for mum to be looking after herself as well and I say this with love and it's also because when I was breastfeeding, my midwives told me, oh, you know, you must just fill up on cake and chocolate because mm. you need to get through the day. And it's absolutely the wrong advice. So mum really needs to be looking after herself and really nourishing herself, having a high iron diet as well, because that's the first nutrient that will be depleted when she is breastfeeding. So I love breastfeeding. If you're able to do it, that's amazing. Keep going. There are foods that help boost breast milk. So Google it up. Um, there's some really great resources on Dr. Google about how to improve your breast milk and how to make sure that you've got enough supply. When it comes to bottle feeding, please don't fall into the trap of after one, I need to move them onto formula milk. 
because formula milk was advertised to over ones and over twos because they were allowed to advertise formula milk in that way okay so it's a legal thing yes it wasn't created for after ones or for after twos children should be getting enough nutrients from their diet so if you're looking at between birth and one years old if breast if formula is the only thing that you can do if you are not able to breastfeed then choose a good quality one I find that the dairy ones that are out there, sometimes the molecule is really big. So if we think about it logically, cow's milk is designed to grow baby calves into Mm. big fat cows. We are nowhere near the size of a big fat cow or even a baby calf. So the, the dairy molecule is really, really big and can be really difficult to therefore digest. So I always recommend if dairy formula isn't going well, trying a goat formula, or even if dairy formula is going well, I recommend rather going for something like a goat or a sheep formula. Okay. okay. Especially before all of the soys and... Right, because, the- because the soy, the, it's, um, as far as my reading, is not, not for kids under six months. And that has to do with, there's a hormonal component to it as well as the um as as the the nutritional component yeah yes the hormonal component is there as well so you've got something called insulin like growth factor Mm. in milk and that yeah that growth factor will be a lot larger in cow's milk to something like goats and sheep which are more our weight and size okay got you now you talked about mom's diet which i thought was really interesting because i've heard everything under the sun as to what has happened to a mom's diet i've heard the cake and chocolates i've mm-hmm. heard i've had moms come in that have decided to go paleo okay. um because they've read something and, and and they've carried on on that and i've also got other moms that have kind of going should i should i change what i normally eat or should i kind of like keep my normal diet or so what is what what is the advice what do we do you just kind of carry on as normal or have in the in the back of your mind i want to be able to create the best type of uh environment that i can um for my baby growing and then of course when they, when 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 baby's here to be able to create the best uh, breast milk that i can Yeah, and this is the really wonderful thing about nutrition and having a nutritious diet is by having a nutritious diet, you will be supporting the growth of your child, but you will also be supporting your own energy levels and you will be able to survive the three wake ups during the night and the long days spent trying to look after your child. So cake and chocolate is not going to take you there. No, it really isn't. It just puts you on a blood sugar roller coaster and you're emotional enough as it is, I think, as a mum with a young child. You don't need to throw in extra blood sugar irregulation and a lack of sleep can cause that blood sugar irregulation as well. So I don't know. It's a difficult question to answer when you say, should moms change their diet or Mm. not? Because what was mom's diet before? And nutrition shouldn't only start when you give birth. It should start before you give birth. And you need to be making sure that you've got enough nutrients to grow the fetus Mm. in the correct way possible as well. 
And to prevent miscarriage, you need to be having a good diet. They call it the, they call it pre-pregnancy or pre-birth should be a thousand day plan. So before you even fall pregnant, at least three months before that, you should be looking at your nutrition. With the organization that I belong to, which is called the British Association of Nutritional Therapists, BANT, the recommendation is every person for optimal health should be eating at least seven portions of fruit and vegetables a day. But that seven is a maximum of two portions of fruit. So that means you need to be eating five portions of vegetables a day. Okay. And it's because we need the nutrients from the vegetables to help support our bodily processes in the best way possible. So mums, mums-to-be or mums that are breastfeeding right now, make sure you're getting at least seven portions of fruit and vegetables in your diet on a daily basis. Not to mention healthy fats, so I don't think enough emphasis is placed on omega-3. Omega-3 is really important for brain function and brain development. And um, we need to be focusing on good quality proteins as well and good quality fats. So protein and fat help satiate you, help balance those blood sugar levels. But most foods high in protein and fat have also got amazing nutrients like B vitamins, which are important for energy production, zinc, which is important for immunity and for growth. Wonderful, wonderful. So what, and that brings us so nicely and cleanly onto um, all of those wonderful foods that are going, are going to go into creating this wonderful position that your body can be in to grow your baby. Growth is one side, organization is the other because the other side of it and you touched on microbiome as well in the beginning that microbiome starts with mom uh, and I've, I've seen research which talks about the fact that uh, in the uterine space there's already a certain amount of microbiome that's going on and I, I know that that's not not absolutely sure on that but what they are absolutely sure on is as baby moves through the birth canal, as baby moves out of mom, that is your first big, uh, and they use the word inoculation in the in, in the research. That's your first yeah. big inoculation, and that's where you start to get the bugs that are now going to control this child and are going to control all these bodily processes going on. So we want to start with a good one, I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. And again, a diet high in sugar is definitely not going to give you that because sugar feeds the non-beneficial bacteria within the microbiome. So you want to be loading your diet up with things like fiber and lots of colors from different fruits and vegetables to help get that um, very diverse gut microbiome. So there's, it's also important to note that between breastfed and bottle fed infants, there are a few, it's called phyla of um, bacteria within your digestive system. So phyla is like a family of bacteria. Breastfed children have two or three dominant phyla within the first six months. And then it massively changes when you start introducing foods into the diet. If you are bottle feeding your child, you miss that two very supportive big levels of phyla within the first six months the child would have, and they have more of a diverse microbiome from the beginning. But yes, you're absolutely right. The research is saying, we used to think that children were born sterile, but we now know that the microbiome does start um, developing in utero 
Um, but it's also then important to note that if you've had a C-section, that baby is not getting that. But if you are then breastfeeding, baby will be able to get bacteria in that way. And the benefit of breastfeeding is you have those prebiotics as well. So mm. prebiotics feed the gut microbiome, whereas probiotics inoculate the gut with that, um, with that bacteria. Okay. And if I'm right in thinking that Breastfeeding is, is, is great on two levels. The one that you're getting the bacteria coming in and the second that you're still getting skin bacteria um, through, 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 through the suck as well. So you're almost, almost doubling up on the, on the yeah. amount of microbiome you're getting in. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, interestingly, and this was a paper I was just looking at now, it kind of blew my mind a little because it kind of it took pop culture and put it in. The way that they were, the way the testing that they were using to figure out if the what kind of microbiome was in utero already was PCR testing. That's where it came from. They were using PCRs already back then for that. So it's been around right. for a while. Yeah. And okay. they still weren't sure because PCRs show you DNA fragments. Yes. <laughs> so the controversy was back there already. So lovely. Um, right. So I would like to touch a little bit on allergies and the amount of sort of allergy um, and intolerances that we're seeing nowadays with our kids. Yeah. yeah. So allergies and intolerances come down to the health of the gut normally. So what happens uh, in an intolerance, especially is molecules can leak through from the digestive system into the bloodstream if that gut is not sealed correctly and an immune response is elicited which is either an anaphylactic attack when it comes to an allergy an intolerance there are smaller signs and symptoms that you may be intolerant to a food some something like eczema or skin rashes or skin conditions very much are a sign of potentially intolerances and I think some of it comes down to potentially introducing or weaning foods too early so like I say the infant gut the infant gut is permeable and the tight junctions within the gut knit together around the six month mark. And that's why the recommendation is that we should be starting to wean around the six month mark. So that's always a suggestion that I give clients of mine. And then you have less of the chance for that food to pass through from the digestive system into the bloodstream because that gut wall is nicely knitted together. I think when it comes to intolerances and allergies these days, we don't seem to have the gut microbiome that is needed to educate the immune system because the gut microbiome actually communicates through the gut wall with the immune system and educates it on when to fire and when not to fire. And unfortunately, the way we're living, the non-diverse diets we're having, the low fiber diets we're having, we're literally killing off species of gut bacteria that help provide that resistance between the gut wall and the immune system as well, because the gut microbiome forms another layer of protection between the gut lining or the gut and the bloodstream, which is where the immune system is housed. Okay, so it's almost like, uh, and I've heard it said before, the theory goes like old friends, 
So you want the you want those microbiome, those 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 two big phyla we were talking about in the beginning to be there to almost teach the the infant immune system to go. These are good. These are bad. This is where you need to fire and not. And if you yeah. don't have that, I've seen, and I'd like to just check my check my working here, um, that the chances then on in later life of having some sort of autoimmunity, or I mean mm. autoimmune disease uh, kicking in tends to be higher or possibly could be higher if we had that microbiome in the beginning that was a little all over the place? I'm not well read up on the research as to whether autoimmune simply comes down to the first six months of your gut microbiome, mm. but autoimmune conditions definitely have a gut role. Okay. And that gut microbiome, because the gut microbiome educates the immune system mm -hmm. and in autoimmune conditions, it's that loss of tolerance of self. The immune system isn't working in the way that it should. Okay. Okay. So, but that, but, but still quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting idea that it's what it's, it's what you have in that microbiome that is then going to teach your body how to be able to respond and to attack the right things or potentially attack the wrong things or However, how, however that however that moves on. Yeah. Now we talked a little bit um, about that weaning at, at at six months. What is your feeling of of what the pathway should be of weaning? What do we wean onto? Is it because rice cereals and those heavy things? I've heard a lot of. Uh, mom's coming in saying, especially if I have a refluxy baby, they want to give mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it's mm -hmm. heavier to hold it down. I am out of my depth with that, but I would love you to talk about that. <laughs> oh, I believe that mother nature and I believe in God, that God created us and that he gave us food from the earth because that's what we should be eating. So we should be weaning our children on vegetables and fruit, first of all, within the first month of weaning. And then from the second month of weaning, you can start bringing protein in because that's really important for growth as well. Unfortunately, again, I feel like it's the food industry that market these products such as rice cereal as healthy food. And often it's because it's fortified. And yes, you need these nutrients in your diet. So we'll fortify it for you and your child can get it in that way. But it's not very easy for children, especially to absorb nutrients that are synthetic nutrients that have been put into food where you can get those nutrients from the actual food itself. Mm. rice and grains are difficult to digest and they can cause an immune response they can be inflammatory so i would even go as far as to say try and steer clear of things like gluten for the first year of life but things like rice cereal and rice cakes which i think every child has a packet in their pram is that they're really high in carbohydrates. Mm. So it's not a balanced meal. It's going to spike the child's blood sugar levels, which is going to make them more susceptible to things like tantrums. So my belief on weaning is some sweet potato, some broccoli, stewed, whatever you're having for dinner. Like what we, I don't know, I can't remember if it was off air or on air, mm. where we spoke about children's food and adults' food. It's yeah. 
it, it should be adults food given to children given that the adult is eating a nutritious diet as well so <laughs> i mean we it's can't not about be... handing over your chicken nuggets it's about no. you having a good, a good yeah moving it across yeah yeah so put the time and effort into roasting some extra vegetables in the evening mashing that up with a little bit of bone broth or something like that and that's something i haven't mentioned yet is mm-hmm. i love the power of something like bone broth and using that in weaning because bone broth is very healing and sealing to the gut mm-hmm. so i like to use bone broth in some mashed up vegetables or pureed vegetables using bone broth or something like a really good grass-fed butter it's high in vitamin A and just high in that fat which kids need for uh, energy production and growth. Hmm. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'll tell you what, I've learned a lot. I've got a lot out of today. I really, really have. I always love chatting to people that have the kind of knowledge that you have because, number one, I get to just fix up my own misunderstandings, which I'm always <laughs> very happy to do. And secondly, this is really solid, good information for parents out there that are listening to this. It's really, really solid to be able to follow a couple of sort of evidence-based steps here that you can get mm. yourself possibly out of trouble before you even step into trouble. Then also for the practitioners that are listening, just to have that wider net of understanding. Um, the, the last thing I'd like to ask is, when, as because we have a bunch of practitioners that listen to a podcast like this, when are we referring to a dietitian? When would you like for, for, for other practitioners to go, what are our red flags to go, this diet of mom and baby needs to see a nutritionist? So, unfortunately, there are a few people that talk about diet and nutrition. You get dietitians. Uh, nutritionists and a nutritional therapist which is what I am dietitians are very specific when it comes to health conditions and they advise with regards to health conditions I don't agree with dietitians when a child has a milk allergy and they're trying to bring them back onto dairy there's something called the milk ladder Mm -hmm. please please, if your child is allergic to dairy or showing some sort of reaction, get hold of a nutritional therapist, which is what I am. We understand how the body works. We look at a symptom such as eczema, which is one of the red flags you can be looking out for. And we go, okay, what is causing that eczema? Let's address the root cause of that and get the body functioning in a better way, provided with the correct nutrients Mm -hmm. so that it can help heal itself. So in uh, the practitioner world, uh, in your field, I would love referrals or refer on to any nutritional therapist. If you have children coming in with reflux issues, with dairy intolerances, or actually any sort of intolerance, if baby's stool seems irregular, Um, And it's important to note that when you're starting to wean, it can go through a bit of an adjustment period. But I would say any skin conditions, any outright tantrums and any intolerances to food is a really good point to refer on to a nutritional therapist. Wonderful. 
Dana, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful. And um, yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. And I'm sure I will bug you soon because I do that with all the people that have a wonderful time on the show and I bug them again <laughs> to come and speak about something else. But thank you very, very much for your time and very, very valuable information. So thanks for, yeah, thanks for sharing. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Mike.